Luke chapter 11. You are there. It should be there in the scriptures. It'll take just a few moments. This morning, I want to talk to you a little bit more about prayer. In this month of July, we're discussing prayer from the scriptures. Luke 11 is a very powerful passage of scripture on prayer. It talks about the content of our prayer. It talks about persistence in prayer, and it talks about the faithfulness of your heavenly Father in prayer. We're going to talk this morning a little bit about the content. If you remember the four Gospels, Matthew shows Jesus as the King. He's the King in Matthew. In Mark, he's the servant. You see him going straightway immediately. He's serving. He's washing feet. He's doing the things that a servant does. He's very busy in the book of Mark. In John, he's the Son of God. But does anybody remember what he is in Luke? He's the Son of Man. It's interesting, the book of Luke has probably, it, it definitely majors, may have more than any other book referencing that Jesus took time to pray. At his baptism, he prayed. He went up into a mountain to pray. He would pray all night. And you see it, as a man, he needed to pray. How many of you are human beings in this room? Would you raise your hand? Everyone who has their hand up, guess what? You need to pray. He tells us in Luke chapter 18, I would that all men, that, that men pray and not to faint. The Apostle Paul caught on to that because he says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, I would that men pray everywhere. Lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. God wants women to pray. He wants men to pray. But in His human body and in, his, in, the, in, the, in the specs that were put on His humanity, prayer became a major focus. You see in our passage of Scripture here, we sometimes call this the Lord's Prayer. And we memorize it. It's not memorized in these words because we take the Lord's Prayer from Matthew and uh, where Jesus is praying in Matthew uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, when you pray, pray like this, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's not really a prayer to be prayed in those words as many religious um, systems have you pray it. They say, let's pray the our Father. But it's not really meant to be prayed in that way. I don't think it's anything wrong. When I read it, I oftentimes think of the song. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I love that song. But really, it's, it's a, it's, it's a the, the disciples came to him and said, teach us to pray the way John taught his 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 to pray. So John was his predecessor. And one thing John did for his Folks, he taught them to pray. By the way, if you're a Sunday school teacher, you ought to be teaching your boys and your young ladies how to pray. It shouldn't be, Lord, thank you for all the things you've done for us and bless our Sunday school class. Help us to learn something today. Amen. You might want to take a little time and, and pray. You'll find it was while Jesus was praying that they really got interested in knowing how to do that. While a Sunday school teacher prays, that's where you get an interest in knowing how to pray. I remember years ago going to a, a prayer conference that Tom Williams put on. And when we went there, the first thing that happened, I didn't know for sure what was going to happen, 
I just went because I wanted to learn how to pray. I was a new pastor at First Baptist Church of Long Beach and scrummed up enough money to fly from where I was in California to Montana and, and I took a man with us from our church and, and we went, and went to this prayer conference. The first night that we were there, I don't know, I, was, I didn't know how many people to expect. There weren't a huge amount of people there. That surprised me. But after I've been a pastor and, and I've promoted prayer meetings, it doesn't surprise me anymore. Have a picnic, hundreds will come. Play softball, scores of people out there. Have a prayer meeting and you and three other people are looking at each other. It's just the way it is. Prayer is not popular. It's challenging. I struggle with it. Most people struggle with it. It takes a special discipline to pray. Now, it takes no character to cry out to God. Actually, whosoever shall, didn't say pray to the Lord. It says whosoever shall call. Any baby can cry. And I'm proof of that. My wife will testify to that. But to learn to pray is a different thing. When Jesus prayed, the disciples said, hey, we need to get some of that. You won't ask, you won't find the Bible. They said, hey, Jesus, can you teach us to preach like that? Sometimes Bible college, we're guilty. We have homiletics one, homiletics two, homiletics three, how to preach. And maybe someone might take an elective on prayer. At Howells Anderson, we do have a course on prayer. We have it in our Bible Institute. It's a priority. It's a requirement, and I'm glad. But oftentimes, it's hard to find a course on prayer. But prayer is very fundamental, and it's very challenging. Had a sweet little young mom this week, and she's expecting, I think, her fourth child. And she stopped me after the fireworks. She said, Pastor, this last week I was thinking, Lord, my kids are growing. I'm a young wife. I'm a mom. I got to have some answers on prayer. I got to figure out some prayer. And said, Pastor, you went up and preached on Sunday morning. You helped me both Sunday morning and Sunday night with what the Bible said. If there's anything we need help on, we need help on prayer. We're pretty good at organizing. We're pretty good at programs. We can be good at working with people. But where we're weak at is praying. It's a problem. The early church, they majored on prayer. And boy, things happen. We major on pain, finances, this thing, that thing, activity. But we oftentimes don't pray. And Jesus gives us a little bit of content. I want to just go through it quickly. Let's look at verse number one. Can we please? If you uh, were to read your Bible chronologically, there seems to be a little bit of a, uh, a distance or a little bit of a gap between what happens in chapter 10 and chapter 12. Most people believe it is uh, John chapter 9, what happens there and healing the, the, the man with, the, with blindness. But let's look at verse number one of chapter 11. And it came to pass as he was doing what? Praying in a certain place. So he had a place. Matter of fact, Judas knew where that place was when he was in Jerusalem. It was at, uh, at the Garden of Gethsemane. That was the place that he would like to go often to pray. And of course, uh, you may not have a place, those of you who are traveling or you're in different places. But many of us, we need to have a time and a place. I like what Abraham, what's said about Abraham. The Bible says that Abraham went to the place where he was off to stand before the Lord. So Abraham, was he, was, he lived in a tent. He moved around. But wherever he went, he found a place. This is before the law. This is before he had a Bible. This is before that, that Moses and, and before the Ten Commandments. 
He found a place and he stood before the Lord on a regular basis. Well, would to God that I would do that and you would do that. But it was obviously that Jesus did that. And while he was praying in a certain place, I want you to notice the next thing the Bible says. When he was praying in that certain place, when he uh, ceased, that means when he finished praying, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. I want to call your attention to a couple things. When he finished praying, one of his disciples. Here's what I think. Some people who are pastors and who've been older pastors than me, they said, you know what? If Jesus trained 12 and one of them went to hell, he said probably in the average church, Bible preaching church, with a good preacher and a good Bible and a good teaching program, there's still 8% of the people that listen every Sunday who are probably on their way to hell. He said, I venture, this older man told me this, he's in his 90s, he said, I would venture to say there's probably about 8% of the people that listen to you every Sunday morning that are probably as lost as a goose in a hailstorm. Dear friend, I want to make sure you're not that person. I would like to be out of that statistic. Would to God that every one of us knew Jesus and he knew us. If you're struggling with your salvation, stop it. This morning, on the 19th of July, why don't you decide, you know what? I'm done faking. I'm done wondering and telling a little story that's not true. I want to know that I know that I'm saved. And don't let pride or procrastination keep you from accepting Jesus as your Savior. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for you know not what a day may bring forth. But I want to say also that it was just one of the disciples. God didn't say all the disciples said, teach us, hey, Jesus, we've seen you finish praying. Teach us how to pray. No, one of them did. One of them. I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was James or John or Peter or Andrew or Bartholomew. I do not know who it was, if it was Simon the Zealot. But one of them got a burden to know how to do that. And I would say that probably that about that same percentage, probably about 8% of our church knows that much about prayer. I'd probably say probably 8% of pastors running around, and I'm unfortunately probably in the 92%, know that much about real prayer. That have enough interest, enough curiosity to say, you know what, I'm just spinning my wheels through life, doing what I can do, and how impressed are you with your work? How impressed are you with your relationship with your spouse? Are you listening? How are you doing? But one of them said, you know, Lord Jesus, I think I need to learn something. I need to go into the school of prayer here. Anything you need to teach me some things about prayer. I just now heard you pray. You're done. Could I ask you to teach us to do what you just now did? That communication with your Heavenly Father is something I need. I wonder how it would change our church, our commitment. Would change us from a lot of petty, silly, can I say stupid arguments and fights and disagreements. People that praying are not playing. People that are playing are not praying. People who pray, there's something about them. 
You're not going to meet a lot of them. I think you're going to, if you meet all the 100% of Christians, you're going to probably find about 8% of them really know what it means to, to get alone with God. Say, so you know what, I'm not, I think that could be the case for youth, for youth pastors, for assistant pastors, for our deacons. We have some of the nine, 90 of the finest men on the planet as deacons of our church and their precious wives. But I would say that probably about 8% of us as deacons probably know what we're doing. We've got scores of employees out at the college. Probably about 8% of them know what it means to pray. We've got Sunday school teachers, and many of us, we just, we just go into the motions. Thank God for one of the disciples. said, you know what, I think I need to get a little bit of that. Can you teach me how to pray, Lord? Let's look at the next verse the Bible tells us. And he kind of gives the content. He says, and he said unto them, when ye pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven. The first content of prayer is the person. The person, and it, and it fosters a family relationship right away. He uses, he doesn't say my father. I don't know it's wrong to say that. A lot of people, people will come to pray and say, our rich and a great creator and all that made everything. But you know what? That's not how Jesus advised them to pray. He said, I want you to pray, Abba, Father. Is that once you start, number one, a relationship is based, is, is God your father? It's no wonder why Satan wants to make uh, fathers angry, absent, abusive, aloof, and, and uh, addicted. There's no, no reason. You understand why that's the case. I've had people that have gotten saved before, and they say, our father. He goes, you know, I don't really like that word. Father has a not a good meaning for me because my dad was A, B, C, X, Y, Z. But you know when in prayer, you know what will help you get over your hiccups in prayer? Probably understanding who your heavenly father is. And if your father and your mother forsake you, the Lord will pick you up. And the Lord will be a father to the fatherless. Understanding his position. He said, first of all, in prayer, remember the person. It's a relationship. My kids do not go to me and say, Oh, Father of 41 Glendale Park, the one who has bestowed upon me so wonderful many things. And they say, Hey, Dad, how are you? Dad, can we get a Slurpee? Can we get an ice cream? Dad, can I help you with that? It's not like, they're not like, yes, they respect me, but they don't, they're not uncomfortable with me. That's why the Bible says, Come boldly to the throne of grace. It starts with a person, and it's a relationship. By the way, when we have a relationship issue with our father, earthly father, we don't want to be where he is, and he don't want to be where we are. You got sin there that needs to be dealt with. You're not going to have that warm and fuzzy feeling when you talk about in prayer. You're, you're going to be as far away from prayer as you can be because there's sin. If I regard iniquity in my heart, I hold back sin. I'm not willing to admit it and quit it. Then the Lord, the Lord's not really interested in listening to me. Look at the next statement, if we can, please. I need to hasten. We see the person of prayer, our Father, which art in heaven. Look at the next one. Hallowed be thy name. Prayer should be packed with praise. Would you say that with me? Don't say it three times fast, just one time. All prayers should be packed with... Enter into his gates with... Into his courts with... Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Whenever we pray, we're talking to a person. He's not, the, he's not the, the old man upstairs. He's, he's your father. And he wants to be addressed as such. Every once in a while, I, I was talking to someone the other day, and I said, 
someone said, oh, you know, when she said, hey, dad, mom, they said, you know, they won't call me dad. They don't call me mom. They call me by my first name. What? I, I, it, hurt the, it hurt them. It hurt the person who had loved them and cared for them, and yet they won't give them the love of, of the effective, beautiful name, dad or mom. I wonder how much we get, God may be frustrated with us. We don't say our father. And then when we come to him, we ought to praise him. We ought to say, hallowed is thy name. Not just his name, but his name represents mercy. It represents his grace. It represents his kindness, his provision, his protection in us. Who that name is, there's strength in the name of the Lord. It's a saving name. He said, hallowed be thy name. Let's pray. So prayer has to do with a person, has to do with praise. Look at the next statement, if we can, please. The Bible says, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on heaven, so in earth. Here we find the pleasure. See, prayer is not trying to get my will done in heaven. It's trying to get heaven's will done in my life. That's why I believe it's a two-way street. And when we pray, we're praying not for my will, but... What does God want? What's God's? And so much of prayer, I think, remember, we're not just talking to God, we're talking with Him. Some of us, we do all the talking. I imitated this last week. Heaven Father, thank you for all the things you're doing. Amen. Okay, now I'm going to go off my day. You ever talk to someone who does all the talking? I was on the phone call yesterday for 53 minutes with a guy who talked probably uh, 51 of those minutes. I would start to say something, he would interrupt me, keep on going. And those are, those are long phone calls. I know I got two ears and one mouth, but that's a hard hint to catch. Sometimes they call for your advice and they talk the whole time. Then when you tell them at the end, they don't pay attention to what you said. They argue with what you tell them. It gets very frustrating. I think I just walked into God's world. Except most of us, we haven't prayed 52 minutes in our entire life. Non-stop. But when you pray, you're talking with God. He's talking to you, you're talking to Him. His Holy Spirit joins the conversation. He is helping us with, with groanings that cannot be uttered. He wants to be a part of our prayer life. But this is a game changer in prayer as we realize prayer is not trying to get what I want done. I'm sick of this. I, wanna, I want this to happen. I want this to happen. And it's all about us, Spanky. Rather than, Lord, what is it you're wanting for me? What do you want in this problem? I was talking about the Marvin Smith yesterday. He said, Pastor, too many Christians resist adversity rather than embrace adversity. They just spend their life complaining to God and to everyone else on Facebook and social media how hard it is to be them. They put their, they put their stuff out there about how difficult it is, and this is the way my dad treated me, this is the way my mom treated me, this is what happened at school, and this person failed in the ministry, and because of that, and I just don't appreciate Everybody's a fake, and they're not a fake, but everybody else is a fake. And they put their business out there, and they just cry about their adversities rather than to embrace them and say, Lord, this is what you gave me. What do you want me to do here? Rather than saying, why? Why don't you say What? Rather than say, you know, it's just not fair. Life is not about our happiness. It's about God's holiness and His purpose. Amen. He says, listen, when you pray, remember you've got a Father. He's a person. He's a relationship. Remember to come into His presence with praise 
And remember, it's about his pleasure, not ours.